Welcome into the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. It's Josh Peach and Carson Gordy. Carson, first, we have to talk about a huge commitment that the Illinois football team just got. That is the commitment of Luke Altmeyer, four-star high school recruit transfer from Ole Miss to Illinois, who has three years of eligibility left and is going to be QB1 for the Illini for the foreseeable future and ideally three years. Yeah, for three years. I think that's what's hurt Illinois in the past. Like, you know, Illinois had Nathan Shieldhouse, but they didn't have talent around him. Well, under Lovey Smith, who was the quarterback? Jeff George Jr. didn't work out. Brandon Peters was a disaster from the University of Michigan. So it's nice that Illinois can finally have a quarterback that they can rely on. Yeah. Like Tommy DeVito is nice. We had him for a year, but you can't build a program with consistent one-year rentals. And the way that Illinois recruited um, high school quarterback talent, like Cal Swanson and you know um, Leary, yep. they're good guys, but they're not going to allow you to compete against Nebraska, against Wisconsin. Luke Altmeyer is very good. Yeah. And most importantly, he's a very intelligent quarterback. Yep. I mean, he's a student of the game. Stanford wanted him as a transfer. And with Stanford wants you, you know you're dealing with someone here that's well, pretty intelligent. I mean, they only take people that academically get in. Like mm-hmm. they treat you like any other student. I mean, this is exciting. Um, Luke Altmeyer didn't fail at Ole Miss. No. Nope. The problem was just Jackson Dart's better, the USC transfer. Matt Carell was just better. Yeah. I mean, Luke Altmeyer can go with Barry Lunny and really craft an offense that's going to help Illinois compete with spread offenses. Yeah, he played in the Sugar Bowl last year with very little prep when uh, Coral, Matt Corral, didn't play. But Luke Altmeyer coming out of college, he's a top 200 kid nationally, ranked by 24-7 sports. He stands at 6'2 with a weight around 190. He's a dual-threat quarterback with a good pocket presence. So it's really everything you want in Barry Lunny's scheme. But Carson, when you look back at Illinois' recruiting classes uh, with quarterbacks, it's very very poor since the 2010 recruiting class with Nathan Sheehaas. Here's the quarterbacks that have been rec- recruited by Illinois. You ready for this? Chase Crouch, Jimmy Fitzgerald, Eli Peters, Cam Thomas, MJ Rivers, Matt Robinson, Corin Taylor, and Samari Collier. Yeah, Do I you mean, know any of those names? Yes, Corin Taylor had four turnovers <laughs> against Purdue, but still almost won that game. Matt Robinson almost got a comeback <laughs> win against Michigan. They didn't win, but they almost came back. And, no, and, it's been bleak. And now in this recruiting class, there's Cal Swanson, who is from Ardmore, Oklahoma, who's 6'3", 185. We'll see what he does. And you had Donovan Leary, who redshirted this past year. And, you know, his brother Devin is now a Kentucky, Illinois, looked at him in the transfer portal. But really, our point is that you haven't had anyone four-star caliber or above. And what you get with Luke Altmeyer is that four-star guy who's going to give you two, three years of hopefully productive play here. Well, Luke's going to be a trailblazer. And, you know, we got to credit Tommy DeVito. Yeah. Because oh, the way yeah. that Tommy DeVito played this year and developed with Lunny, that made Luke Altmeyer think, okay, maybe I will go to Illinois. Yeah. It made Hudson Card even take a visit to Illinois. I know he went to Purdue, which stinks. But the point is, Tommy DeVito gave credibility to this program. Luke yeah. Altmeyer is just going to extend that even further. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to really say, hey, look, we developed Brandon Peters. Why don't you want to come play here? That's why they're being stuck with Cal Swanson's right. with high school recruiting. If Altmeyer plays well, the next quarterback is going to be a good high school talent. Tommy DeVito was, I believe, in the teens for the rated quarterbacks in the transfer portal last year by 24-7, which is you know good but not great, obviously. But you saw a guy with limited experience develop under Lunny, have an extremely accurate passing game, and he was also able to use his feet a little bit. But DeVito was open about the fact that he thought that he was a pocket passer 
that wasn't you know technically a dual threat quarterback. We wanted Brandon Peters to use his feet, and last year when Tommy DeVito did use his feet, he was productive, but he didn't want to do it a lot. Well, that's not what you're going to get with Luke Altmaier. He's very good in the pocket. He has a good pocket presence, but he is a dual threat quarterback. He runs, you know, he runs for first down. He's willing to use his feet, and I think that that was part of you know what was missing in Barry Lenny's scheme last year. Oh, absolutely. Like when you get to the red zone, okay. You can't run with the quarterback. Tommy DeVito is not mobile. And you don't have the best wide receivers to get open in the red zone. Yeah. So that made it difficult. Illinois settled for a lot of field goals in the red zone. Yep. You know, Luke Altmaier, you know, could potentially change that. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it, there's a reason, like you said, that Luke Altmaier visited Illinois and ended up coming in, but also Hudson Card. Obviously, Hudson Card comes from Texas, who was rated a little bit higher than Luke was out of high school. He goes to Texas. Now you're going to have one of the biggest QB controversies, in my opinion, in the country next year with Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers there because that's two potential number one picks, in my opinion. Hudson Card ends up going to Purdue. You know, Ryan Walters, we'll get into him in a little bit. He steals it. But part of the reason you get guys like him and Altmaier to now look at Illinois is because I think you have a pretty good thing going with Illinois' offense next year. Barry Lunny, you know, he didn't call the best plays you know, on fourth and third and short or whatever. But what you do have in that offense is a good scheme that's going to produce a lot of yards, a very deep and variety of wide receivers in your receiving group, an offensive line that's shaping up, especially with the recent transfer from Eastern Carolina. And even with Chase Brown leaving, you have Reggie Love, Josh McCray, Aiden Lowry, and Jordan Anderson with new freshmen coming in next year, Caden Feagan at the running room. So my point is that you've got a lot to work with in this, uh, in this new Illinois offense with a good offensive coordinator that's proven it can develop a quarterback. Yeah, uh, real quick on Altmaier, he's a lot similar to Frank Harris at UTSA, more so than Tommy DeVito. Oh, Frank yeah. Harris at UTSA was a great scrambler. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Barry Lunny was at UTSA, they were scoring 38 points a game, and they went 12-2. and um, Altmaier's mobile like Harris, so that's nice. Yeah. The one thing I will say about Barry Lunny, which was a huge disappointment, um, I think it's coaching malpractice. What happened to Isaiah Williams in the second half of this year? Right. You know, against Michigan, what? He gets three touches. Against Michigan State, only got five touches. Purdue, I don't think he really touched in the second half. He is your best playmaker. Yeah. Like, we see against Nebraska in the opening play. Phenomenal. Uh, Chad Nuga, good game. Um, Isaiah Williams needs to be a focal point because you can throw a nice little screen pass to him, mm-hmm. and he can gain 10, 15 yards on a single play. You know, the team just has to become more unpredictable. Um, I think the biggest disappointment we had with Lunny this year was the last drive against Michigan. Yeah. You need 10 yards, and they ran the ball three times to Chase Brown. Yep. I mean, that's why they lost to Michigan. you got to trust Tommy DeVito to throw the ball. Yeah, and I hope that Lunny and Bielema learned together through that. You know, we saw uh, Brett Bielema after one year fire Tony Peterson, so I hope that, you know, and they did just sign Lunny, and I know that we have different, you know, opinions about that but you hope that after one year they can learn together but the point is that yes Barry Lunny came in and said I want to get the ball in our playmakers hands and in the beginning of the year we saw that with Isaiah and we really did see that all year with Chase Brown which is encouraging and Pat Bryan exactly but now in this wide receiver room I I assume Isaiah Williams is going to stay you know Corey Patterson left which is the guy that recruited Isaiah but I think Isaiah's best chance to get to the NFL is staying with Illinois for another year so you're going to have your four main guys returning that's Isaiah Williams Pat Bryant Brian Hightower and Casey Washington, who all who are sort of similar but all do different things. You're adding Sean Miller, who was out last year due to a shoulder injury, I believe, out of IMG Academy in Florida, and they have really high hopes for him. And then, you know, if you get a guy like Malik Elzey to commit, 
Uh, you have Dixon from Ohio, who's going to be a freshman. You've got five, six, seven guys in there that can make a difference that, you know, Altmeyer can really throw to on top of using his legs next year. No, it's exciting. So offensively, we expect a better product. We do. It's probably more suited to, have to the spread offense personnel, more comfortable with Barry Lunny. The defense could be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are losing um, Brown. They're going to lose Witherspoon. Yep. The defensive line, we think they might come back, but that's not for sure. The law firm, if you will. The law firm of Keith Randolph and Jai Newton. Yep. But the big, big question mark, is Aaron Henry going to be a good play caller? Right. Compared to Ryan Walters. Yeah, you have Ryan Walters, who was, you know, he was a finalist for... The Broyles Award. The Broyles Award, the best, you know, coordinator in the country. And a lot of people agree that Ryan Walters was the best defensive coordinator in the country last year. And that's on top of guys like Jim Knowles. Uh, I'm blanking on Iowa's defensive coordinator last year. Phil Parker, exactly. So, of course, you're losing Sidney Brown. I'm going to say it. I don't think that's the worst loss in the year, uh, you know, in the world. Devon Witherspoon sucks. He's a first-round talent. Yeah. He gave you everything against those number one receivers last year. That's a bummer. Um, Kendall Smith is a senior. You're going to lose him in the secondary. But they've got some guys coming back. You know, Taz Nicholson they feel good about. Matthew Bailey they really like. So you do have guys, but like you said, it's going to come down to Aaron Henry, who is the DB's coach, arguably the best position position coach on Illinois' team next year. And Brett Bielema felt confident enough to promote him. Com- you can make two arguments. Was Ryan Walters a product of his environment? He struggled at Missouri. He did. And then he comes to Illinois, and you have Brett Bielema, defensive coach, Andy Boo, um, Kevin Kane. Yeah, that's three defensive coordinators on top of your head coach yeah. being a defensive coordinator as well. But at the same time, you know, people do consider Ryan Walters to be one of the best play callers in the country. Yeah. Can a random coach just replicate what he's doing? Is, does he have a secret sauce? Yeah, I don't know, because I don't know if you remember, early in the 2021 season, Illinois got torched by Virginia. Yes. And then the very next game, Ryan Walters made a big difference, and this doesn't mean anything to us, but it does to players. Instead of going in the box, he went out on the field to be with them. And he was, and he said, I like that. I can be with the players and talk to them more directly. And clearly it worked, right? I mean, it, it worked. Like that was the that. last bad game he had. It was the, it was, exactly. It was the last bad game he had as a defensive coordinator. The players really liked him. He adjusted during the game. I think that the Michigan game is a perfect example. Give up a touchdown on a big drive on the very first uh, drive that Michigan has. End up giving up a field goal and really doing nothing the rest of the game besides some short drive field goals. So it's the perfect example of Ryan Walters. But like you said, it's a little easier when you have Andy Boo, an exper- a super experienced position coach and coordinator. Kevin Kane, a young mind that comes over from SMU and is a defensive coordinator. And of course, Brett Bielema who is a defensive-minded guy. You have all these guys, you know, you don't know just how good your players are. But regardless, I mean, it it still sucks losing him. Like, you know, we knew we were going to lose Ryan Walters eventually, probably this year. We thought it was going to be to Colorado, but, of course, primetime Deion Sanders comes into play. Um, I mean, Ryan Walters saved Purdue's program. No kidding. No, like, seriously. Like, Jeff Brom, great coach, but they never had a really good defense. No, Everybody didn't. likes to call him an offense mastermind. They actually never scored over 30 points a game. They no. scored 26, 27. It was a well-run operation. Yeah. So Jeff Brom goes to Louisville. Yeah. Who the heck was Purdue going to get if not Ryan Walters? You probably would have had coach. to go, like, the Lance Lye pulled her out and go Mac. Yeah, get Sean Lewis from Kent State. Um, Ryan Walters is going to improve that defense. You think so? I mean, Illinois' defense, for people that don't follow college football— was atrocious with Lovey Smith. They were giving up 30-plus points a game. Yes, and then within five games, you could argue Ryan Walters rebuilt the defense. He did. Absolutely. With the same players, keep in mind. Yeah. Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton and Devon Witherspoon and you know Kendall Smith and Sidney Brown and Taz Nicholson 
and Tariq Barnes. These guys were all there under Lovey Smith. They just needed new personnel. There was a guy on Twitter once Ryan Walters got uh, hired by Purdue. They were not happy with that hire. They thought they settled. They said something like, no. man, this guy was winning with Lovey Smith players. He didn't even win with his own players. That's the point. That, that is the that point. That he literally turned Lovey Smith players into only giving up 12 points a game. They also brought up how Purdue put up 380 yards and scored 31 points against Ryan Walters. Well, Purdue, you put up 500 yards against Michigan. Does that yeah. make Michigan not a good defense? I, Ryan I, Walters yeah, is legit. I just want to say this, and I know that obviously this changes as you get you know, coaching and you see how people develop, but guys, for the last two or three years, Illinois recruiting-wise had the worst roster in the Big Ten. I just want to put that out there. You have the second or third best scoring defense in the entire country with guys coming in that were all three stars, basically. It's impressive. No. You know, Ryan Walters does, he's confident. He thinks he's the best play caller in the country. He thinks he's probably going to overtake Illinois for the Midwest team. You know, like the yeah. middle of the road, Big Ten West. Did Bielema make a mistake by not calling Jim Leonard? Maybe he did call him, but it seemed pretty clear that the succession plan was, I'm going to promote in-house. It was going to be Kevin Kane yeah. or Aaron Henry. Over the past two years, Aaron Henry proved it. Did Illinois make a mistake of not trying to get a big-name coordinator? Because you look around yeah. the Big Ten. Um, Wisconsin got Phil Longo, offensive coordinator of North Carolina. You know, you look at Nebraska, they get Scott Satterfield from, uh, South Carolina, from South Carolina, Illinois is going to promote a guy that's never called plays before. Right. It, was that the right decision? I think I, listen, we know that Brett has good a read on coaches as good as anyone in the country. Right, based on the way that he built his staff, Except besides for offensive coordinator. Yes, but yes. besides that, he had a home run with Ryan Walters. He got SMU's defensive coordinator, Kevin Kane, to go and be a position coach. Same thing with Andy Boo and his experience. So I like to say I trust Brett and that he thought he was making the best decision promoting someone within. But you've got to think that if Leonard even would have taken a listen, you have to reach out to someone like him. He's a Midwestern guy. He's most likely not going to be a head coach. He's mad at Wisconsin for not promoting him to head coach. So that part is concerning. I think that Brett wanted to promote someone from within the whole time, and you got to trust him from that. I think the real question, though, Carson, is whether he made a mistake not going with Kevin Kane because now Kevin Kane gets to go to Purdue and be the D.C. under Ryan Walters. That's fair. Um, I think what he saw with Aaron Henry was a different kind of charismatic approach, probably connected better with the players, and he's a better recruiter. He might have seen if, a lot of Ryan Walters in Aaron Henry. Well, it, and also, if he picked Kevin Kane, Aaron Henry goes to Purdue. It was Sophie, defensive coordinator. Yeah, it was Sophie's choice. He had yeah. to pick. I have no issue with him taking Aaron Henry over Kevin Kane. Kevin Kane had his opportunity. Yeah. Kevin Kane was the defense coordinator at Northern Illinois. They struggled. He was the defensive coordinator at SMU. They gave up 30 points a game. Obviously, Kevin Kane's very respected. People think he can be a possible head coach. But I think it's clear that Aaron Henry has the higher ceiling. I got yeah. no issue with Aaron. I just think with the Big Ten is going through like a nuclear arms race with coaches. Yeah. It would have been nice to get a Jim Leonard. It would have. It definitely would have. But you've got to think that with Brett having a defensive mind, he saw the way Aaron Henry developed guys like Sidney Brown, guys like Devon Witherspoon, guys like Taz Nicholson and Kendall Smith, all of these guys, recruiting guys like Matthew Bailey that, again, you feel really, really good about in that room. So I, I hope he went with the, with the right choice, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see, right? Because if you have the law firm back next year, then you still have C.J. Hart and Tariq Barnes in the linebacker room. See, you know, Seth Coleman, how he continues to develop Gabe Yakis, those type of guys. 
So if you feel like Aaron Henry can still control the DB room and if you trust him to be a play caller based on what he learned under Walters, yeah, hopefully it works. I think that you still have a good defensive mind in Andy Boo over there and Brett Bielema himself. It's more the offense that I'm concerned about with this new, you know, uh, this new look of coaches in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West. It just it's clear that the Big Ten is known as ten yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah, you know, for smash real. mouth offense. Well, Wisconsin realized it kind of got stale. I mean, they ran the most pro-style offense since 1990. Yeah. They're going to spread. Um, Nebraska, they're, they're going to be going spread. Illinois even realized you have to go spread. And you know that Purdue's going spread. with oh, the, yeah. They're higher from West Virginia. I'm in a blank on his Graham name. Graham Harrell. He's a really good OC. Graham Harrell was at USC, at West Virginia, came off the Mike, uh, Mike Leach tree at Texas Tech. I West mean, Purdue's going to be scoring some points. They are. So, you know, if Illinois wants to keep up, yeah, they're going to have to spread the field. And Luke Altmeyer is honestly the man for the job. I really think he is. I'm with you. I mean, would I have preferred Hudson Card? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, familiar face to Illinois fans, because you play him two years in a row, Brennan Armstrong would have been good. One year But rental. one year of Brennan versus three years of Luke cannot only give you a guy, you know, more success for a more sustainable amount of time. But it's going to help the recruiting, too, yeah. in the quarterback position. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Iowa's going to stick with Brian Ferentz, and they're going to be back. But, like, you've got to expect in two or three years, Nebraska is going to be right where Nebraska should be. Purdue's going to be scoring points and holding people down. Purdue might get back to the Big Ten Championship. Luke Fickle, obviously one of the most uh, sought-out no know, coaches there is. He yeah. denied Michigan State, you know, rumors about him going to Notre Dame. So, the, the league is full of good coaches. I don't think there's a bad coach in the league, honestly. You know, you say Tom Allen of Indiana. Well, he's in the West. We'll see what happens with divisions. But I think he's a good coach, too. Hopefully Illinois can keep up. I don't know. You you just hope that Barry Lunny and Brett Bielema can look at what they did last year and say, all right, how are we going to improve on this? Kind of like I thought they took a step forward from the season before, even though we only saw that in yards but not points. But I think Altmaier's the guy for the job. Yeah, you know, you just look at Illinois. The quarterback can just help so much it can yeah. cover so many issues ask the iowa hawkeyes if they had tommy devito on their team this year instead of you know spencer petrus yeah i mean despite only scoring what 15 points a game they almost made the big 10 championship yep so you know illinois you know they're making the right decision but you know we keep talking about hudson card that was the guy that we dreamed about in october we thought that potentially he'd come to champagne well instead ryan walters got him in purdue and that made Purdue fans very happy. He's going to keep the spread offense. Does Ryan Walters, is he going to turn Purdue into a more modern Illinois? Probably. I mean, you've got an all-star coaching staff already. You've got a proven offensive coordinator. You have a defensive coordinator, a successful defensive coordinator now as your head coach. And then to back him up, you've got Kevin Kane, who's up and coming, who everyone thinks is going to be a good head coach one day. Something about Purdue that they've always had is receivers, right? You've had David Bell and Rondale Moore recently. And then some other guys before that. But they, and you know, you can say what you want about Aiden O'Connell, but Hudson Card is going to end up being better than Aiden O'Connell, in my opinion. So you know they're going to score points, but the question's always been the defense. Now, Ryan Walters is going to bring all the success he had over in Champaign, an hour and a half east to West Lafayette. Yeah. It scares you. Instead of giving up 25 points a game, let's just say they lower it to 19. Exactly. 18. I mean, Purdue could take over. If there were still West divisions, they would probably take it over. There is not a game where Purdue's not going to score 20 points. With Hudson Card and Graham Harrell? Exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, they're never going to do that. So if you can hold your average opponent to 18, 19 points a game, you're going 9-3 and three every single year. 
But that's scary. Purdue's going to be scary, man. But They're every, good. Every team in the Big Ten, we say, like, Nebraska, they can win nine games. Wisconsin, they can well, win they nine can. games. Purdue, Illinois, somebody's got to lose. So what are the programs that are going to take a huge step back? Well, Minnesota? Unfortunately, you might look at Illinois in that position. because That's what you think, but I don't think Because these are so. all nine-win caliber teams. So if Illinois is a six or seven caliber win team, well, you're facing Nebraska, Wisconsin, Purdue, USC. every single year. USC, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State even. You're not winning all those games. Unfortunately for Illinois, they're going to have to like develop the heck out of their players, start recruiting better, or both, if they actually want to keep winning seven to eight games. I just always trust Brett with the defensive staff. That guy is so well-connected. He knows so many former Wisconsin Badger players. It's not the issue, Carson. And most importantly... <laughs> The NFL pipeline. Yeah. What I'm saying is Illinois' His always... Bell-Belichick connection is going to, you know, comes in handy, oh, too. Oh, it, it does. I mean, that earned him street cred. Yeah. Illinois is always going to be competitive on defense, and that's what so. gives you a chance in the Big Ten. I think our biggest issue with Brett over the past two years is sometimes we want to scream at him about the offense. I mean, Tony Peterson might be the worst hire of all time. Yeah, it was terrible. And yeah, it was awful. At times, I hate to say it, it seemed like Barry Lunny was handcuffed by some philosophical differences. Smash Probably offense, not having the personnel. Barry has to be the head coach of the offense. If you trust him, you have to let him. Other take than, charge. other than, are we going for it on fourth and one or not? I like Brett in that spot actually. He yeah, year one, you and I. The reason you wanted Brett fired, and I'm not going to say this was like totally not understandable. I thought it was you know a little out there, but part of the reason you wanted Brett fired not year fired. one or possibly for them to make him. a change was because was against Purdue and Maryland in back-to-back weeks, they didn't go for it on a fourth and one. They went for it a lot on fourth and short this year. So give him credit for that. So if he has the ability to change, maybe Brett will say to himself, all right, we're going to give Barry the complete keys to the kingdom here. We'll let him do what he wants and also influence him to hopefully get the ball in our best player's hands, I guess. But, but, but with that, you have to you know decide what the best move is because the reason DeVito handcuffed you a little bit is because he wasn't very mobile with his feet, not, not because he couldn't do it, because he didn't want to do it, right? When, yeah. when he did do it, especially you know the play that sticks out in my mind was to keep a Kiwi drive alive against Indiana in the fourth quarter, but Tommy didn't really want to do that. So now that Luke Altmaier has feet too, you got to see what his pocket presence is. You got to see which receivers he prefers to throw to. But his, you know, option plays of him running or just scrambling out of the pocket, you know, might give you some leverage too over teams that don't have a good QB spy or something like that in their linebacker room. So I think that it's going to be up to Barry and Brett to try and adjust to a new quarterback again because Brandon Peters and Tommy DeVito were very different. Now Tommy DeVito and Luke Altmaier are pretty different too. So they're going to have some adjusting to do. They're going to have some reading to do. But that's another great thing about having a guy for three years. Yeah. No, and that's the thing. At the beginning, first year with Brett – I wouldn't say fire was the right word, but I had concerns if he was the guy to fix this program because at times you didn't think he was the long-term guy, which I did. Because yeah. at issues, I thought there was you know sometimes you know stubborn. You know he said a hundred times over, I'm going to punt in fourth and one. I thought the Tony Peterson hire was atrocious. But what you have to realize, and what I finally realized, what a said co- what a coach says in public is a lot different in private. Oh yeah, substance wise. So right, like, yeah, against Charlotte last year or something, or like at the end of the Maryland game, he said he would punt on fourth and one a hundred times over. That didn't happen this year. <laughs> no, and it didn't happen this year. Or um, he gives Ryan Walters the big extension, but Tony Peterson doesn't get the extension. So Brett's just very smart about what he says to the public. He's playing chess. I mean, people underestimate the guy. He is an extremely organized coach. He, he's tricky. He's got some tricks up his sleeves all the yeah. time. We yeah. like him. I think... Oh, you, I love the guy. You wonder if... 
you know, when things don't work out against Michigan State with play calling, against Michigan with play calling, if what he says in the locker room to Barry Lenny's face is different. He might bully him. Because I think he's protecting him in the media because he doesn't want everyone to be like, oh, fire Lenny, fire Lenny. You never want that out of the media and the fans or that narrative being spread. But there's a chance he could be in his face being like, dude, what the heck? Come on. We were so we were two plays away from being ten and two. Yeah, pretty close. I mean, Indiana, Michigan, no doubt. Yeah. Um, all right. The, the one nice thing about Ryan Walters going to Purdue, by the way, I think Illinois finally has a rival. Yeah. Northwestern's on a rival. Iowa's got um, Iowa's got Minnesota and Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I also does. just hope we pass up Iowa for that whatever that's worth. But I agree with you. It's it's the closest school geographically to Illinois. Both, it's a, it's an hour and a half east. Yeah. Both engineering schools. Yep. Both basketball schools. Ryan Walters, the former protege of Brett Bielema. Yep. It's kind of like the ten-year war for Illinois and Purdue. Shut up. Obviously, shut up. <laughs> it's not Ohio State, Michigan in the nineteen seventies, but relative for Illinois, this is a pretty big step. And another thing is, like you know, Ryan Walters gets hired. I think the narrative among the fan bases, you know, you're looking at like the discussion boards on all those premium sites or whatever. It's like, hey, Ryan Walters is in Purdue. He got a job because of Brett Bielema. We're going to be happy for him, and we're going to root for them eleven games a year. Besides, when they play Illinois. Well, then he takes Kevin Kane, takes another position coach, and he goes and gets your, you know, the QB that you had your eyes on for months now in Hudson Card. So now the, you know, the He's doing narrative well. among the Illinois fan base is kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not only does he leave us for another head coaching job, not only does he take Kevin Kane, but now he's taking our players too. Yeah, no. Corey Patterson was big. That was huge. I don't think everyone's like, good for Corey, great opportunity. I don't disagree. But I think people aren't realizing how much he meant to Illinois. He was their biggest connection to the East St. Louis area, which is a huge, huge, huge recruiting area in the state of Illinois. I know St. Louis recruiting has slowed down, but before Patterson got to Illinois, there was not a single player on the roster from St. Louis. And by the way, there's nothing that screams that that recruiting area isn't going to get hot again. Like that, that's a great area. It just makes sense. Like it yeah. will be good. That's where you get your that's where you get your non-skill position players from. Yeah. Your DBs, your linemen. Like, that's where you got to go for those guys. Corey Patterson, he's a player's coach. Yeah. People love him. So, I mean, yeah, that's tough. Hudson Card was tough. But here's the one thing with Ryan Walters. Is he going to be at Purdue for that long? Well, like, seriously. what I think, Carson, is that in about four years, uh, Norvell at Florida State, what's his first name? Yeah, Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell, who just won his 10th game of the year against Oklahoma in their bowl game the other night. Um, he's going to either leave or take a bigger job. Primetime Mr. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is going to go over and take over for Florida State because that's his alma mater. And then Colorado's first call is going to be, hello, Ryan Walters. Uh, We need you over here in Boulder. And Ryan Walters is going to put down the phone, go over to his AD and say, thanks for everything. I'm off to Boulder. He's going home. Yep, he's going home. But the thing with Ryan Walters, he's incredibly ambitious. He's gotten a Big Ten job, Big Ten salary, Big Ten recruiting, Big Ten pull into the playoff. Does he sacrifice that to go to Colorado? Yes, it's his alma mater. We know now that he would have taken Colorado if he were offered it. Brett Brett basically told us that. Right. He would have taken it. So I don't think there's any loyalty there with Ryan Walters, which isn't bad, by the way. I'm not going to rip on him for that. It's his alma mater. Right. I think he's leaving for Colorado. If, if that opens up, we don't know what's going to happen with primetime. We don't know if Norvell's ever going to leave Florida State. He's got a good thing going there. Let's say Dion just completely falls on his face. Kay. Yes, he gets a couple nice transfers, a couple nice four-stars, but he never builds the offense and mm-hmm. defensive line. And they're not better than Washington. They're yeah. not better than Utah. Oregon. 
does Ryan Walters leave a nine and three program at Purdue to go take over a four and eight program in Colorado? You stole the words out of my mouth. I don't know because you and I know that you and I have talked about this a bunch off camera, and we've agreed. Colorado's been bad for over a decade. A couple four and five star transfers is not going to fix their problems. I don't see them going any better than six and six, seven and five next year. Mm-hmm. So you see how the position coaches turn out with Colorado because I think that, you know, getting Sean Lewis is an absolute home run. Who'd they get for their DC again? They got uh, um, the coach from Alabama. Exactly. So you know that that's going to go well, but an underrated part of the college football game is your position coaches and how you can develop players. Like we saw with Andy Boo, uh, Aaron Henry, George McDonald, those guys for Illinois this year. So if he can make the right hires there and get all the players he wants recruiting-wise, which it kind of seems like he can based on the last few weeks, yeah, Colorado's going to be pretty good. But primetime has only won in college football in an HBCU by getting three, four, and five-star players against against a bunch of unranked players. So there's nothing set in stone with him. No. I, I think an interesting job for Ryan Walters is UCLA. He's a California native. It's still in the Big Ten. He can go back to his hometown. Kind of upgrades you over a traditional coach like Chip Kelly. I'm, I'm taking UCLA over Colorado. The one thing I was thinking about these head coaches, P.J. Fleck, I'll never forget. He told his Western Michigan players, guys, I'm taking the Minnesota job because I have dreams I'm chasing. Yeah. You know, but is P.J. Fleck's real job in Minnesota? Is that his dream job? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, don't I just know. think with Ryan Walters, who knows? He's 36 years old. He's incredibly ambitious. If I'm him, I want to be a coach of a blue blood eventually. Yeah, but again, I think the big thing we don't know about Walters is just how much he you know, appreciates Colorado and how much they mean to him. Like, Is he the type of guy that says, I'm going to go to my alma mater over anything? Or is he the type of guy to say, I want the blue blood over everything? We just don't know how important it is to him. Yeah, that's true. I don't know about P.J. Fleck. I mean, with a guy like him, like there were rumors about him with Tennessee, and he was like, yeah, no, and Tennessee's a better job than Minnesota. Like, I hate Tennessee. It doesn't matter what you think, though. They have more tradition. They're kind of like Nebraska or Miami or whatever. Like, uh, So I don't know. Ryan Walters is young. He's relatable to the players. He knows how to build a staff, which is why he's going to be dangerous for Illinois for years to come. So for our sake, yeah, I hope he goes to UCLA or Colorado in prime time or Chip Kelly leaves or something like that. But the reality is that for the next three years, Illinois is dealing with Ryan Walters over in West Lafayette. They're dealing with Luke Fickle up in Wisconsin, and they're dealing with Matt Rule now in Nebraska on top of Kirk Ferentz, who's kicked your butt for the last five, ten years, however long, and right. even longer since he's been there. Pat Fitzgerald, whatever. Um, well, here, let's play a fun game. Sure. Reality check. Illinois. In five years, is Illinois a better program than Minnesota? I would say yeah. I trust Brett Bielema more than PJ. Um, more than I do PJ. And also the last two years when Minnesota's arguably been a better team, Illinois has beaten them at home and on the road. So I think that Illinois has just got a good edge over Minnesota. I think Illinois definitely has the defensive advantage. Yeah, dude. And that, to your credit, Carson, that's what you were saying about Brett Bielema just in general right, is that he is always going to have the defensive connections as a defensive guy himself. As the head coach, he'll always be a little bit of a defensive coordinator, and we like his NFL and college connections. All right, what about Iowa? I, th- I think they're going to pass him up, and I think that what part of the main reason for that is because you have a guy like Brian Ferentz. Illinois did not play particularly well against Iowa on October 8th in the night game this year, the most anticipated game for Illinois football in almost a decade. And even when you had Arthur Sikowski come in there and your backup quarterback, who has not given you many good minutes in, Illinois, in an Illinois uniform, has to play over half the game, Iowa still can score in Illinois with good field position. 
If Tommy DeVito plays that game, I think they win 20-6. to six. I think Illinois has an upgraded quarterback coming in for the next couple of years. Brian Ferentz is going to slow them down. I don't trust Cade McNamara. And as, for as good as that defense is, is it sustainable? Maybe it has been. But I think that Illinois is going to get the recruiting edge over Iowa. I think Brett Bielema is just a better coach than Kirk Ferentz, to be honest with you. I so, think the one thing that hurt Kirk Ferentz is that he's performing nepotism. Yeah, no I kidding. mean, it, it's very clear. Brian Ferentz, you can be the tight ends coach. Heck, you can be the quarterback coach. I don't care. You're not going to be the play caller. No. You don't have to fire your son, but you have to take away play calling duties. Mm -hmm. And for the Iowa Hawkeyes, I mean, how frustrating to be a fan. You have a top 15 15 defense every year. You have a top 10 defense every year. But you run an offense that's created in 1989. Does Brian Ferentz fully understand the forward pass? Has he comprehended everything that goes into that? I don't know. The thing is, the offense is incredibly complex, so it's hard to get a transfer quarterback. I mean, Cade McNair is their first transfer they've gotten. And I think that Iowa's got a little bit of an Illinois problem, too, where you can't just recruit the homegrown guy. They haven't shown the ability to do that, so no, that kind well, of stinks. Iowa's tough, but Iowa's got the brand. Yeah. I mean, they get top six recruiting classes, but when you can't spread the field offensively, yes, Ohio State's going to outscore you. Michigan, with a better offensive line, is going to outsmash Matthew. I think it's weird with Iowa too because they have the tradition, as in like they're the you know they're the pro team in their state. Everyone goes to Iowa City on Saturdays to sell out Kinnick Stadium. It's a great atmosphere. You've got some history. It seems like they rush the field every single year in a big win. I know that you know my buddies that go there got it the, uh, our freshman year in 2019 over an undefeated Minnesota team uh, when we were juniors last season. You got the undefeated Penn State win. Like you've got great fan base. You've got a great defensive staff, but for some reason, the QBs don't go there, and obviously when Brian Ferentz is holding you back, I don't trust him. So I do like Illinois' edge over Iowa. Yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to kind of pair these two. Wisconsin-Nebraska. Ah, oh, man, How does Illinois dude. really match up in the next five years? It's, it's just so weird because they're going in such a different direction with the coaches they've had before. I mean, Scott Frost, absolute disaster to Matt Rule is go, like going from 0 to 100. And I'm not saying it's 0 to 100 for Wisconsin, but Luke Fickle's such an upgrade over Paul Christ. I mean, Luke Fickle's winning at Cincinnati better than anyone has at the group of five level over the past, what, decade maybe? He sent 10 players to the NFL last That's year. That's crazy. The best defensive back in the game, easily of, among the rookies, but arguably in all of the NFL, Sauce Gardner is a product of Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. That's crazy. Mm. He was yeah. the fourth pick in the draft. And what Wisconsin needed... I mean, that's what Jim Leonard probably couldn't prove while yeah. interviewing with them. They're probably like, Jim, who's going to be your offense coordinator? What's the offense identity? Where are your connections? He's Paul Christ 2.0. Yeah, He's probably. slightly better and more energetic Paul Christ. I don't like Paul Christ. Me neither. But the thing with Luke Fickle, he's going to get the North Carolina offensive coordinator, yeah. who developed Drake May this yep. year. Sam Hall, the year before that. Yep. I mean, a slam dunk hire by Wisconsin. Yeah, you've got connections there. You've got a proven recruiter. You've got a Midwest guy who will get people out. Like, there's nothing not to like about Luke Fickle. Michigan State wanted him. He said no. Rumors about him going to Notre Dame. We don't know what happened there. Illinois called him before they got Brett Bielema. He said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. This is someone that people have wanted as their head coach at the high major level for at least five years. And Wisconsin gets him. Yeah, home run. So does that mean that I think they're clearly better than Illinois? No, but with the tradition of Wisconsin typically getting these, you know, four and five star guys where Illinois settles for three and fours, history of great defense, linebackers, defensive line has always been awesome. And now we see Luke Fickle go in and get a transfer quarterback from Oklahoma. And now you go and get the SMU quarterback. And of course, Mordecai. Yeah. yeah, Luke, is it Luke Mordecai? That is a home run get in the transfer portal. Like if that's what Luke Fickle is going to continue to do. Yeah, I feel not so great about going up against them every single year as an Illinois fan. That's just the one thing with Illinois. 
how they won this year was not sustainable. Right. Okay, cool. You beat Nebraska. Okay, Nebraska hasn't made a bowl since 2016. No. Nope. You beat Wisconsin. You only had 300 total yards of offense, and you went against Graham Mertz. I mean, it was a great win. I went up there seeing it 34-10. to 10, But if Illinois thinks they can just play smash mouth with Luke Fickle and Matt Rule, it's not I'm happen. sorry, it's just wrong. Like, those guys have more resources recruiting. It's the best thing that happened that these guys got hired because it's yep. going to make Illinois innovate. Yeah. Like, so. like Matt Rule, I mean, he goes to Temple, which is one of the worst programs in, you know, Division One college football, and he wins double-digit games there. Goes to Baylor after the biggest, you know... Sexual assault. Uh, allegations in college football, you know, probably on hand with the Sandusky and Penn State stuff. He wins one game there and goes 1-11, and I think he turns it around and goes like 10-2 and the next year or something. Like, the Big 12 was lucky that he went to the NFL. The NFL doesn't work out, but we what we know about Matt Rule is that he can recruit and he can develop players. And now that he has the history with a team like, like Nebraska, I mean, the sky's the limit for that for right. that guy. All right, let's go more broad Big 10 with uh, playing this game reality check. Um, does USC become the face of the Big Ten once they come in? I don't know. I think it's really tough when you have a program like Ohio State who's been running it for 20 years or whatever, and you have Michigan up there too, because you're kind of going to have that Michigan-Ohio State rivalry going back and forth, especially if Jim Harbaugh stays. We don't know if he's going to go to the NFL or not. It's just it's weird to think about because when you think of USC, nothing about them screams Big Ten. They're not in the Midwest. They're out on the West Coast. They play a different style of football, and Lincoln Riley just you know, isn't much of a Big Ten guy to you. But with that being said, if Ohio State and USC play every year, that's going to be the most anticipated game every single year, I'd argue, more than USC and, or uh, Michigan and Ohio State. So it's kind of weird to think about. I don't know. Just think about USC playing in the big house in November. It's in crazy. Do you, think that, do you really think Lincoln Riley is going to succeed in that? I don't know. Well, who's going to stop Caleb Williams? I think people are making a big deal with USC. It's going to be crazy for travel. Yes, I agree. No for USC cares. softball, yeah, that's going to be pretty tough. For uh, USC swim and dive. But that's not the reason they're in the Big Ten. They're but in for, it because of football. But for football, four times a year, you got to travel out to the Midwest. Yeah. So, okay, you play Iowa in September. You might play Michigan in November. It's not a big deal. Lincoln Riley knows how to coach quarterbacks. Yep. I mean, he's been incredible with Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, and now Caleb Williams. three Heisman winners. If Lincoln Riley can build the offensive line and the defensive line, make it Big Ten physical, he's going to run the conference. He won at Oklahoma. He goes to USC and nearly makes the college football playoff in year one with, like, what, the 40th best roster in college or something like that. All he's going to do is improve on what he has now. I don't see him leaving USC for any job. He's going to stick there. All he's done is adapt his whole career. Of course he'll succeed in the Big Ten. USC and Ohio State, man, it's going to be a good rivalry for years to come, especially since I'm not a big fan of Ryan Day. If he sticks around there, USC is going to find some success. They might win the Big Ten their first year. They could. Michigan's good, though. All right, next question. All right, so the college football playoffs going up to 12 teams yep. in the next year. Yep. But how many teams in the Big Ten can realistically win a 12-team playoff? I'm going to set the over-under at 1.5. Oh, man. Win a 12-team playoff? I think there's two teams. I'd, I'd say, well, are we talking right now or when USC gets in? Just realistically, you look at the Big Ten teams with their resources, the kind of offense they run. What teams could realistically win a 12-team playoff over Georgia, two. over Alabama? Two. I'm sorry, Michigan. Michigan doesn't have the offensive play style to do it. They still run a sort of smash mouth. J.J. McCarthy's great. I love J.J. McCarthy, but you still have a smash mouth type of offense in there. Caleb Williams in, you know. Guys like C.J. Stroud are just built for the 12-team playoff and to beat a defense like Georgia, like Alabama, better than Michigan. So I think the over at one and a half is good. I think it would be really hard to argue three teams, though. 
Yeah, the thing with Michigan, nothing's stopping them from being Ohio State. Right. They have all the resources. They have the winged helmets, the big house, the great fight song. They are just old school. Mm-hmm. They like Bo Schembecker. They yeah. like running the ball. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh likes to run out the clock. Yeah. That's not how you win national championships. You're going to see it when they play Georgia, probably in the national title game, or we saw it last year against yeah. Georgia. Georgia's better at what you do. Yeah, for real. If one team in the Big Ten can beat Georgia, it's Ohio State. Like, that's the only team, because they can realistically outscore you. Because you have C.J. Stroud, who has the potential to be a top-five NFL draft. Wide like You've had Marvin Harrison Jr., who's going to win the Bolitnikoff next year. Obviously, Jeff, Jackson Smith and Jigba opted out, but you still has, have Emma Doka. I'm going to botch his last name, but another really talented freshman. And then Travion Henderson in the backfield. So, yes, Ohio State does have the best chance to beat Georgia because of their you know, offensive firepower. But with that being said, they haven't been able to put it together all year. I don't know if that's on Stroud. I don't know if that's on Ryan Day, whatever. So it does speak volume, though, to the fourth of four teams in the playoff being the team with the best chance to beat Georgia. Yeah. So credit to Ohio State there. And USC would have an even better chance, in my opinion. But All right, uh, last question. Could Illinois make a 12-team playoff in the next decade? Yes or no? Yeah. Do you think they will? Would you predict it? No. Why not? 12 teams. Look at this year's team. You knock off Indiana. Yeah. You knock off Michigan. Yeah. You're ten and two. You make the Big Ten title game. They are a twelve, top twelve team. So you beat Minnesota in a fluke game where Tanner Morgan barely scores any points. You beat Iowa nine to six. You beat Wisconsin thirty four to ten, and you're the game that gets Paul Christ fired. You can't beat Michigan State. You can't beat Purdue. You lose to Indiana because you turn the ball over like crazy. So in Illinois' best year of football and over in since two thousand seven really, you go eight and four when you could have gone seven and five, but you also could have gone eleven and one. And now you're dealing with guys like Luke Fickle and Matt Rule in the conference that you're gonna play every year on top of the Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, probably get two or three of them a year. I'm sorry, I just don't see Illinois winning ten games. It would take Illinois to get a Russell Wilson type yeah. of transfer in the portal. Which is possible. It's pro it's it's possible. Like I wouldn't predict it, but it's possible. And the one nice thing about Aaron Henry and why he might be better than a Jim Leonard or something. Aaron's, what, 32? Exactly. He's going to be here for six, seven years. I think the word relatable means a lot to players in recruiting. Yeah. Right? Because he's young. He's an African-American guy that played at Wisconsin and is coaching other Brett Bielema. He has, a, you know, a little bit of a look to him than Jim Leonard does. You kind of have that factor of like, oh, what can he do? We know what Jim Leonard can do, but what am I going to get under Aaron Henry? Some guys like that anticipation. So as far as recruiting goes and just player development goes, well, we know we can develop him. So the recruiting could have a higher ceiling. Yeah. As far as this podcast goes, that's going to do it for this episode. Carson and I are going to be back to talk about basketball with a recent win and then Big Ten play coming up and later talking about Illinois' bowl game against Mississippi State. Thank you for everyone listening to the Daily Illini Sports Podcast.